Good morning and welcome to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Braz. Monica is the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives for BBB serving Western Ontario. And Ask BBB presents information from and about accredited businesses so that consumers are better informed about products and services that they're purchasing. Next week is Small Business Week in Canada. Later, we'll look at the role small businesses play in our economy and some of the events planned to further support small business. How does your lawn and garden look this fall as we get into full swing with the fall weather? John Baer of Green Magic Landscaping, Inc. in Dorchester will join us later to talk us through preparing for winter and planning for spring. We all know it's coming, so why not get ready? Our first guest will likely get a lot of calls when the first snowfall comes. That seems to be when we realize we should be thinking about snow tires and other winterizing services for our vehicle. We welcome someone who's no stranger to Londoners, but we promise no politics here. Our guests are Bud Polehill and Steve Polehill of Bud Polehill Automotive. Welcome to Ask BBB, gentlemen. Well, thanks for the invitation. So now that we have you on the phone today, let's see if Finally. we can find yeah, let's see if we can find out a little bit about tires. So do okay. we really need to think about snow tires or do you think all season tires are just enough? Because I think that's the biggest question in Canadian winters. Well, my opinion, and Steve's probably he differs from me a lot of times, but but I, I think snow tires are, are extremely important. I, I have customers that come in here and they said, I've never had snow tires in my car, and my son or my daughter or somebody told me to buy them, and we put them on and they come back and say, you know, I didn't believe they'd make that much difference, uh, but they do. No, it's, it's the same thing. I was always that type of person that never believed uh, I needed snow tires because I'm just that good of a driver, right? Um well, snow tires don't really make a whole lot of difference in uh, driving ability. I, I, I put a set of uh, front tires on a car that I was driving and uh, just because they were cheaper than a regular set of all seasons at the time. And, and the difference was, was eye-opening. You know, uh, from then on in, I've been a, been a believer. So, Okay, there's a wide range of tires and prices. So how do we select the right tire for our driving needs, guys? Well, it really does depend on, on what type of driving you're doing. Like most people uh, in the city nowadays will, will just go for a, uh, what we now call a winter tire, because snow tire isn't, uh, isn't necessarily the best word to use anymore, because they're not. An old type of snow tire was generally a more of a lug type tire for meant to go through deep snow, as if we were you know, up, up in the north. Somewhere. Well, now a winter tire is more of a snow and ice tire. Um, they have a different tread pattern that allows them to grip better on ice and that sort of thing. Um, so for most people with your, with your average uh, small SUV or car or something like that, we'll go for uh, um, a snow and ice type of tire. Um, the, tire so. the, the other thing is that the, the, the snow tires today are much quieter than the ones that you used to put on. The ones, the ones you, put, you knew they were on there because you could hear the car coming because of how they howl. These ones are, are designed in such a way that they're fairly quiet but aggressive when it comes to traction. Okay, so let's say we're deciding, you know, this year, um, maybe I'm going to consider uh, snow or winter tires. Maybe I'm just going to use the tires that I have. How do we mm -hmm. determine if our winter tires or any of the tires that we have on our vehicle need to be replaced? Well, you check the age of it to start with. There's a number on the side that tells you how old the tire is. Plus, you have a tread depth gauge that tells you how much tread you have left. And when it gets to a certain point, uh, you should be replacing them. Would you replace because of age, uh, even though there's lots of tread left? Well, 
Yeah, we've had a number of t- certain particular brands where you have a lot of uh, weather checks between the treads. When you look at them, you can see that, and and that's not something you want to be driving out on the highway with because it can blow out. There's a there's a date on the side of the tire that's the date of manufacture. Um, it's generally a week and a year, and uh, there are some places that won't work on a uh, or won't service tires uh, that are over seven years old, um, and that's part of the Ontario safety standards. When it comes in for a safety inspection, uh, not only do we have to measure tread depth. Uh, but the there is a what we call dry rot, dry rot or weather checking, and it's just uh, where the tire's gotten old and dried out, and it ends up uh, instead of more like rubber, it ends up more like a hockey puck. And as it drives around, uh, when it flexes, it actually starts to crack. And when you end up with a bunch of cracks that can line up, well, you can suddenly have a catastrophic blowout, and that's that's as far as I'm concerned more dangerous than than just low tread. Does how you store the tires then make any difference? Absolutely. If you've ever seen a, uh, a uh, trailer at the trailer park that has covers over the tires, there's a reason for that. The um, UV light from the sun is, uh, does the same thing it does to you and me. It ages things prematurely. Um, if you're going to store tires, at very least, like we do have customers that store their own tires, and that's perfectly fine, um, that will just put them out behind the shed. Um, and that's not good because... Um, they're out in the weather, they're out in uh, hot and cold cycles, they're in the sun, so on and so forth. Uh, so if you're going to put them outside, make sure they're covered with something that's, that's mm-hmm. opaque so the sun can't get through them. Um, and, uh, you know, the best thing is to have it in a, you know, a climate-controlled building or whatever have you, but not everybody can do that. Okay, so, you know, I, I have appreciated actually having um, winter tires on my car. And then the other thing to consider is an extra set of rims. Do you think that that's worth the investment and that it makes sense to have an extra set? Or, you know, how do you feel about that? Because it is an additional well, cost think, for people. I think Stephen and I both agree on this. It, it saves wear and tear on the tires, on the beads and all that sort of stuff, mounting and dismounting. And by the time you do it two or three times, and, and uh, if you do it two or three times, you've probably almost paid for the rims. What about the pressure sensors? A lot of the newer cars have pressure sensors, and if you uh, buy rims, should you do sensors as well? Well, I think I think the new safety standards say if it had them on originally when you put the rims on, you have to put sensors on too. Is that not correct, Steve? Uh, I, be- I believe so. If, if basically if it came in with, with tire pressure sensors, it has to leave with tire pressure sensors in it. So let's talk about some other things which we should think about to prepare our car for winter. Is there anything we can do to make sure our battery will be dependable, especially, you know, in the real bitter cold? Well, a battery battery has a life, uh, a lifespan just as anything else. Most batteries, depending on the quality, last between five and seven years-ish. Sometimes it's difficult to tell. Sometimes uh, when we winterize a car, we'll check the battery and you can tell that it's borderline and it's time to change it. Um, Sometimes they check just fine and you know, and a month later, they're, they're toast. So it's, uh, it's difficult to tell sometimes with, with a battery. Uh, one of the uh, primary things that, that I, I learned this a long, long time ago, because I've been doing this for a long time, but if, if, it, if battery is under the hood and you can actually see it, hose it off with some, with some hot water every once in a while, get all the, stu- the, the stuff off the top of it, because uh, I, when I show this to people, you don't believe it, but if you take a voltmeter and put it across the battery, you put it on the negative post, and you put it, or the positive post, and you put it halfway across the top of the battery where there's no connections at all, you can get a volt reading because it, the voltage, it's like having a, a resistor wire across the top of the battery, and it'll just die by itself. So as long as you hose it off and get that off there, you won't have a reading and you won't have a draw on the battery. 
Bud, Steve, we want to thank you for your time here this morning. Thank you. We've been talking with Bud and Steve Polhill of Bud Polhill Automotive. When you search auto repairs and other related types of businesses, they come up in the directory. Bud Polhill Automotive is an accredited business with the BBB with an A-plus rating. We'll return in a moment to talk about taking care of your lawn and garden. Welcome once more. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Braz, the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives with BBB, serving Western Ontario. All other things aside, this past summer has been a good growing season. Gardens and lawns have flourished. Now we want to prepare them for winter so that they're in their best condition next spring and summer. John Bear is the president of Green Magic Landscaping, Inc., and joins us now to give us some great tips. Welcome to Ask BBB, John. Thank you for having me, Monica and Jim. John, so a lot of us love to go out in the garden and putter around, but what really is involved in becoming a professional landscaper? Well, it really takes very little to start a business in landscaping and consider yourself a professional. Anyone with a pickup truck and a shovel and a wheelbarrow can can do that. But what really defines a professional, in my opinion, is a continually developing skill set. Uh, and a little bit of formal education helps. Also, surround yourself with other professionals. It's very important. There, there's just so much to know in the landscaping trade and horticulture and arboriculture that there's no way anyone's going to know it all. So surround yourself with other great professionals and it, and it just makes you better. So John, is this a good time to consider some landscaping changes or is it something we need to wait until spring to do? It's always a good time to consider changes. Uh, anytime that changes need to be made, uh, there are specific seasons that, to implement those changes. Uh, right now it's in the fall, it's a great time for dividing perennials. Um, it's the best time of year for preparing your garden beds for the spring. If you need to add any soil amendments or, or rototill and prepare the soil for planting, it's the best time to do that. Uh, it's a great time of year for planting trees and shrubs as they go dormant. It's a good time to dig things up and move them around. Uh, so fall is fantastic. We get into winter, that's sort of the best time of year to do your paperwork and your planning for your landscaping changes. It's also a good time to service all of your equipment and tools. So let's talk a little bit about changes. You know, what are some of the current popular trends or features in backyard landscaping that people are seeking out that they can think about planning for during this coming winter? Some of what has been trending um, really is more formal outdoor living spaces. Uh, we're seeing a lot more backyard kitchens and just really formal extensions of your home. Uh, another trend that has been a little more popular this year, people are, want to be a bit more self-sufficient. So there's been a lot more vegetable gardening and, and things going on uh, more recently. John, are there um, facilities that help us uh, visualize this? I'm, I'm thinking of uh, uh, computer enhancements and programs that might let us see this ahead of time. Uh, well, software has really come a long way with uh, with when it comes to landscape design and planning. Um, some of the newer newer software, you can take uh, digital photos of your area that you would like to make changes or your home uh, and then overlay your, your plans on top of the existing image. So you can actually see a photograph of your home with the proposed plan all done up in 3D in front of it. So this, yes, really it's come a long way uh, from the old drawing board and drafting table. 
that really helps, especially, you know, not everyone is a visual, you know, can see visually just from a conversation. So how long would you say a landscaping project can take from planning through to installation? Well, that really depends on the scope of the work. Uh, a, a landscaping project can be very small. It can be planting a couple of new trees or even just some spring bulbs. And those types of things don't take very long at all. Uh, you can just go out there and get the trees planted. But if you're doing a more a ma more major project, uh, you really want to take your time. And especially with the planning stage, you want to make sure that you're 100% thrilled with the, with the landscape design. You just want to make sure you're absolutely thrilled with what you plan to do before you set out to do anything. John, what would the budget range be that um, we would need to start a landscaping project? Uh, can it be done in stages? Uh, uh, what should we allow? Um, well, again, that depends, again, on your scope of work. Um, if it's just a small thing, you can, uh, you can plant a few spring bulbs for just a couple of dollars. But if you're doing a complete backyard overhaul with a swimming pool and outdoor <laughs> kitchen, <laughs> you can go up to a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, very quickly. So it, your budget really depends on your imagination and when what you'd like to see completed. Or your imagination depends on your budget. <laughs> well, that could, yeah, that works both ways too, for sure. Let's let's just talk some very practical things. You've talked about some simple things we can do. Um, what are some of the things we should be thinking about so that we have a healthy lawn and garden through the fall season and, and next summer? Whether we hire somebody like you or we do it ourselves. Well, the two most important things uh, for maintaining a healthy lawn really are adequate watering and uh, a so good solid fertilization program. Um, every situation is different. Soil type make, makes a huge difference as to what you need to do to, to keep a really good healthy lawn. Uh, the cutting height is also very important. Um, you know, as it's hot and dry in the summer, you want to maintain a high cutting height of three to three and a half inches. Uh, that promotes deeper root development and makes for more drought tolerant lawns. As we're going now into fall, we wanna make sure that we start to drop that cutting height. And the last cut of the fall should be very short, the lowest cut of the year. That'll prevent diseases like snow mold and, and things like that from getting into the lawn over the winter. So let's talk about snow. Once that snow comes and gives us a blanket of white, pretty much all the lawns are equal in appearance. And then you offer a snow removal program, which is really convenient. If we are considering snow removal contracts with any company, what should we expect? Take some time and consider all of your requirements. So you should expect that your requirements are met uh, and they vary tremendously from property to property. Where do you plan to pile the snow? Uh, how often do you expect to be plowed out? Uh, what's the depth of snowfall required before service is expected? What time of day does it need to be cleared out by? Uh, and, and you know, is the use of ice melter products included? Those are sort of all things that need to be considered or, or talked about with whoever you decide to provide your service. Well, let's just talk a little bit more about uh, a company like Green Magic Landscaping. Uh, you have a large range of services uh, and offered. Besides referring to the BBB directory, uh, what are some of the things we should ask about a company before we uh, sign that contract? Um, make sure they're experienced in, in whatever sort of specific area that you're trying, you know, you're hiring them to do. Find out 
about warranty policies and, and what their follow-up procedures are. Are they insured? All Any legitimate business is going to carry liability insurance. You know, Can they provide a WSIB clearance certificate? Those are all things that will really give you a, a good solid background as to whether or not the company is legitimate. Um, but I'll tell you, the Better Business Bureau directory is probably one of the best places to look. Because if you're there, that uh, it really shows that you care. Well, John, we want to thank you for your time this morning. And uh, I know you've got some lawns to tend to. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Well, thank you, Jim. And thank you, Monica, for taking the time to have me. John Bear is the president of Green Magic Landscaping, Inc. of Dorchester. Look them up in the BBB org directory. Green Magic Landscaping is accredited by the BBB and holds an A-plus rating. Next week is Small Business Week in Canada. After a short break, we'll look at the role small businesses play in our economy and some of the events planned to further support small business. Welcome back to this final segment of Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan, and I'm here with Monica Braz, who is the Director of Marketing and Strategic Initiatives for BBB Serving Western Ontario. And Monica, this coming week, October 18th to 24th, is Small Business Week in Canada. Yes, and there are some events planned to mark the week in London as well as across Canada. Before we get to those, let's look at what is meant by a small business. A small business is defined as firms with fewer than 100 employees. 98% of Canadian businesses have less than 100 employees. This year, businesses are dealing with the impact of COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions, and that is reflected in some of the events that we also have scheduled. All businesses saw an impact, and small businesses were especially more heavily impacted than larger organizations. And the Better Business Bureau has been working right across the country to help keep businesses informed. As the BBB supports businesses across North America, we thought we would reach out to the BBB in another part of the country today, the east coast of Canada. And so we welcome Kristen Matthews from BBB Atlantic Canada. Thanks for coming on the show and joining us today, Kristen. Thanks for having me. So we've seen the impact of COVID-19 on businesses everywhere, but it's always great to also hear stories of how businesses have adapted. It'd be lovely to hear some of the things that have happened out in Eastern Canada and how businesses there have been able to adjust. So what we're seeing right now is actually consumers have been increasingly turning to BBB to find businesses that they can trust. So we have seen more searches on BBB.org as well. And we've seen increased demand for businesses who want to be a Accredited. So consumers know they're going to um, deal with a great trustworthy business. Um, I think it's really interesting to note too that during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we've actually found that almost 90% of people who are coming to the BBB.org website are choosing to look at only accredited businesses. So that really shows um, the impact that accredited businesses have at this time of year where trust is so important in these trying times. Absolutely. So there there again really talks to the value of the BBB both for consumers as well as businesses. In terms of Small Business Week, are there any activities that you have planned specifically for small businesses in your area? Yes, so we actually have a social media campaign that we're planning and it is called a small business high five. Um, so essentially what we are encouraging people to do is we have a graphic that is encouraging them to share this small business high five or a far away fist bump um, to businesses and just share this on their social media pages and tell these businesses how much they appreciate them. Um, so we're telling people if they've noticed a business has gone above and beyond 
them during COVID, if um, they've had just a really great experience with this business in the last little bit, uh, to post this small business high five or the far away fist bump on their Facebook page and tell them why they appreciate them so much. A lot of people think that we have to go out and we have to, you know, purchase a bunch of items from, from small businesses to really support them. You can share their posts on social media, follow them on social media, like their stuff. Um, all of that is a way to really support small businesses as well. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. And also another thing too that you can do is leave a review because we know that small businesses really value that. And so everyone can look out for the high five in the London area as well and share the great businesses that you like to shop from. Additionally, BBB Across Canada is having several webinars that anyone can join in on. Some topics include business planning essentials for small businesses, how to diversify your business to attract new markets, and even how trust in leadership is so important. So you can find all of those details on bbb.org. Well, thanks for joining us today, Kristen. We really um, enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our time for Ask BBB for this week. Thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Brass. Remember, Ask BBB. And start with trust.